Hello, welcome to the next episode of the Challenger the Podcast. I'm once again joined by my friend Jakub. Uh, this is a pretty uh, hectic schedule this week because, well, Phoenix is just like last year. They're going to push back their draws until whenever. So you're probably going to get the show like a couple of hours later than usual or something like that. Uh, also, Puerto Vallarta is just at some crazy hours, even for Mexico time. <laughs> uh, so we're going to be recording this in a few parts. But of course, you're not even going to notice unless we keep mentioning it, which usually happens. Uh, yeah, anyway. Damian, <laughs> outside of talking about it always, he does a brilliant job of Frankensteining the episodes back together. Um, so yeah if if we didn't talk about it you probably would have never we would have never known yeah i'm i'm the, I'm the best okay. editor yeah i use the best software you know it, it takes me like um 30 seconds usually anyway <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's get down to business then yeah let's start in santiago that was the most recent match that we saw as we're recording where we both got a point in the winners picks with ugo delian beating Thiago Seboschwild 3-6-6-3-6-3. Delian's ninth challenger title, first one in exactly one year since Santiago 2022. On his run here, uh, it was quite tough with the first three matches he was battling. Uh, Started against Pellegrino, 6-3-4-6-6-2. Against Vavasori, third set tiebreak. Agamenone, three tiebreaks, winning in a third set tiebreak there. Oliveri was a bit of a rest for him, got that one done in 6-2-6-2, which set him up nicely for the final, of course. Uh, In the rankings, he's obviously um, in a spot where he's defending a lot of points at this time. I think like 130 uh, over this two-week period. the final, yeah. Yeah, so so, so he has 75 points points of those down he was going to drop i think to about 139 ish around that area um if he hadn't gotten any points after after indian wells when we're going to get the new ranking so he already got 75 points of those uh he's the number 109 in the live rankings but yeah what did you think of delian this week on his run yeah i mean delian's ranking situation is pretty fun uh like uh, the guy literally finished his campaign in 2022 after Wimbledon. So he has like a half a year, which doesn't even count. So, you know, even if right now he, I don't know, by Rand Garros, he might be barely in the top 100 or just outside, or maybe even not just outside, maybe even 130-ish, he has so much to gain in the second half of the year. And of course, even though in the second half of the year, you're not going to get this many clay ATP tour events, you're going to get a lot of South American challengers. A lot of challengers, yeah. Yeah, so basically there's a pretty decent chance that um, this time next year, or maybe more realistically like January next year, Hugo Delian breaks his career high or something like that. Because he... I, I, I was about to go ask you that question now. Yeah. Because he, he's, he's 29, going to turn uh, 30 in June. Do you think that he will? he's going to break that career high of number 64? I mean, he's put himself in the position to, um, of course, he's also had a, a number of pretty decent ATP tour runs last year. So, um, you know, making up for that might not be easy, but yeah, I, I think, you know, uh, he is basically on the verge of the top 100, let's say, maybe not, not so much. If he, if he goes on a pretty decent run in Vina del Mar now, then he will be without playing half a year. So, so yeah, I think he, he's got a very solid chance if he can keep playing like this in South American clay events. And, you know, if healthy, we know that he can keep playing like this. But as you said, um, this, this week was quite, quite event, eventful. Like it wasn't, um, that sort of a cheap point that we were probably going for with Talian maybe a little <laughs> bit. 
um, definitely at the tie breaks against Vavasori and Agamemnon, and of course, four match points against Agamemnon. He only broke Agamemnon's serve three times, and all three times were with the Italian serving for the match, which is crazy. Three hours and 36 minutes in that Insane. one. And, and yeah, uh, Olivieri just wasn't good enough to take advantage of him being tired and and uh, Sabe of Wield was, was good enough, but he kind of choked, honestly, especially from 3-1 in the opening set, uh, in the third set. But even when he was serving out the opener, uh, you could see that um, out of these two, you know, Dalian is the one that's going to uh, be better under pressure in this match. And that stayed true until the very end. Yeah, let's talk about him. Thiago Sebojvild making this final as a qualifier. Um, well, what a great run for him. His third career challenger final. First one since September 2020 in Aix-en-Provence. On this run, he started in qualifying, beating Mateus Alves in three sets, then João Reis da Silva. In the main draw, he upsets Juan Manuel Serundolo, takes out Gonzalo Bueno, takes out Facundo Bagnis, another very good win, beats Diaz Acosta, who's also been playing well, makes it all the way to the final, goes a set and a breakup on, on Delian. Uh, yeah, what do you make of this this week for, for Sabo Shield? I've got a pretty funny story because after, I think it was literally be, before his second round match against Bueno, so after just one major win over Juan Manuel Serundolo, but still just one major win, a friend of mine texted me and said something along the lines of, um, Tiago Sapovic must, must be the title, the favorite for the title now. And I'm like, what? What do you mean? And he was trying to make this, <laughs> make this argument that, um, you know, the guy won an ATP uh, 250, which the other guys in the draw didn't. And I, I was like, yeah, but you know, since in the past <laughs> three years, he hasn't done much. And with he's players, number four hundred in the world coming into this exactly, this and week. like <laughs> I also I, and I said with players like Bagnis, Diaz, Acosta, Ordelian in the draw, I don't buy it. <laughs> and he almost <laughs> beat them free in almost beat all of them almost wow. almost beat all of them consecutively. Yeah, I, in fact, That's you know, wild. with with Delian not being that fresh in the final, he kind of should have beaten him. Three uh, one up in the in the third, he lost the next five games, and uh, yeah, it it was a pretty crazy week, as you said. He hasn't really done that in a while. Uh, I think uh, October or September 2020 was that final yeah. in Exxon Provence that he lost to Oscarote. Of course, the ATP 250 title in Santiago, also the um, to the challenger he won in 2020, uh, 2019, which I think was like Guayaquil or something like that. But yeah, since uh, since 2020, we haven't seen a run like that. There's been some moments, I think, especially at the beginning of this year. Uh, they kind of, you know, the frequency of them kind of uh, kind of got uh, higher. Especially also that uh, that match against Serundolo that he played in Tigre was uh, in parts amazing, and and yeah, um, this time he it actually clicked. This time his forehand was that weapon that we know from Santiago 2020, for example, because especially in the um, I think in the, in the 2022 campaign his game sometimes kind of looked like impotent, especially compared to you know what he was doing before. I've just said especially like four times in the past ten sentences. I don't know what I'm doing. But anyway, uh, um, if I'm noticing that, then it must be very easy to notice for 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 someone listening to. But anyway, uh, yeah, great run for him. We'll see what what he's gonna do with it, and uh, definitely quite unexpected. But the guy showed that he still has that crazy talent that at some point was thought of like you know he's gonna break the top 100 in no time because of course almost every single atp 250 winner breaks it 
outside of Sabrefield and Team Van Rijthoven, apparently. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see about Tim. Uh, hopefully, he can show us. Well, we'll, we'll see what he can show us uh, as as the defense of that uh, run comes up. Um, but yeah, on Sabrefield, so he's now up 102 ranking spots, number 298 in the live rankings as we stand, would be his return to the top 300 for the first time since July. My question is, could we see him make a push towards uh, Roland Garros uh, qualifying? Oh, okay, so you went, you didn't go bold because um, some no, people no. were already like on Twitter. Short term. Um, yeah, contemplating whether he can get to the top 100 this year. You know, if he, if he plays this like this every single week, yes. But, you know, the guy has never really shown that he can do that. So uh, I'm definitely doubtful about the top 100, you know, Grandstone qualifying. Um, how many weeks does he have? Like two months or no, no, less. It's like um, six, seven weeks. Yeah, again, um, the guy has never really been uh, good at uh, having, uh, you know, good, uh, big runs consistently. Even in that 2020 campaign, he literally had two good events, if I remember correctly, which was Exxon Provence and Santiago. I mean, yeah, that, that, that you, you can easily see that in his win loss record, which in 2020 he, he, was. Yeah, he, he had a losing record in 2020. Yeah. With, with Santiago <laughs> ATP 250 and with Exxon Provence. Of course, he also played very well in Rio uh, the week before Santiago, uh, beating Davidovich Fokina in that crazy match and losing to Choric in a pretty crazy match as well. But yeah, most of the 2020 campaign, he was actually pretty awful. So yeah, he, he lost literally every single match outside of that. Uh, outside of, outside of Exxon Provence, Santiago and Rio, those, those yeah. were the only three places that he got wins. So I guess the the um, moral of the story is you never know with the guy. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see, we'll we'll see. But 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 it is definitely encouraging uh, that he still has this in his arsenal because we haven't seen it in a while. Let's go to our semifinalists, starting with Facundo Diaz Acosta, who beat Kiker in the first round, then dealt with the tricky qualifier Gugaston in straight sets as well. Also beat Dateri in the quarterfinals, his second semifinal this year already after. Uh, Concepcion also took um, pushed Cam Nori to a third set tiebreak, so it, it's it's going pretty well this year for Diaz Acosta. What are your thoughts on this round? Yeah, I don't know if I'm um, you know if I'm able to call myself a fool on Facundo Diaz Acosta fan yet, but I, I definitely think he has like bottom tier top 100 potential at least, and um, I, I thought he was probably going to be the one challenging Delian in the final. Uh, of course, it didn't work out this way, uh, but Sabrefield played play a very good match. But uh, still, yeah, as you said, the, the win over Gaston, especially, that was that was uh, a second round and, of course, a qualifier. But, uh, well, we know that it wasn't really a qualifier, though. And yeah. and he, he dealt very expertly with the first three opponents and, and yeah, hoping for, for more good rounds from him. This is like just the third challenger he played this year and every single time he's been into the quarters, at least into the semis on clay in two appearances both times. Yeah, our other semifinalist was Genaro Alberto Olivieri, who beat Lopez San Martin in straight sets. Also did the same to Bonadio and Gallo. Uh, he reached the semis. His first challenger wins of the season after starting 0-3. Uh, then he won an M15. Uh, what were your thoughts on Olivieri and his season overall so far? Yeah, he's kind of weird. I mean, we remember in Montevideo last year when we were so sure that you were going to get a point with Echeverri. 
uh, as your prediction. And then Olivieri suddenly beats him in the final. Uh, yeah. The win over Bonadio, I think, was just as uh, unexpected here. You know, Bonadio having four set points, I think, in the opening set. And then Olivieri taking it. Um, it just that this time against Dalian, he was just so easily outmatched. And it was kind of weird to see that. Uh, that was so comfortable for the Bolivian, who was clearly impacted by that Agamemnon thriller, of course. Yeah, let's move on to, uh, to the doubles, where we had the young Brazilians, uh, Bosca Dindiaz and Reis da Silva, lift the trophy, beating the experienced Hidalgo and Rodriguez, who won five challenger titles last year. Let's move on to Lugano, where I got a point. Otto Virtanen beating Cem Ilkel. You picked Otto Virtanen? I did, yeah. You, I, I got three points this week. What the? F <laughs> really? I had yeah, no idea go, you picked Virtanen. Go back I, and listen to it. I I, no, I, I was no, very I, unhappy because you, you took Stricker and I was like, I can't match you on three picks in a row. So I'm looking at the the, uh, <laughs> the other I, side. I, I, I trust uh, like, you, like but other I, I had and, no idea. Yeah. So actually, I, I even at one point forgot this week that I picked up the Vita and that I checked the yeah, I mean, I... <laughs> you're, you're actually in the lead now. Jesus. Yeah. Nine to eight. What the hell? Big three swing out, week three out here. Four? That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I wish I, I wish I bet these or something, but yeah, and I wish you picked a pair of Shimizu way. so that the dream could be no, alive. No. But, yeah. <laughs> no, we, we both went for Altmaier in, uh, in but yeah. To uh, Lugano and Ottovitanen, he beat Cem Ilkel 6-4-7-6 in the final, his second challenger title, both within the last five months, with his first being Bergamo. Uh, this week, he started by dropping his head to Matteo Gigante, but came back from that to win 6-2 in the third, went to a third set tiebreak with Oleksi Krutich, but then started getting into his groove, beat Berankis in straight sets, beat Stricker, uh, and then closed out this final. Up 31 spots, number 139 in the rankings, breaking the top 150, 117 points away from the top 100. What did you think of Otavitanen this week in Lugano? I was already, you know, sad about you uh, tying the competition, and now, <laughs> now I actually learned that you picked Virtanen. What the hell? Now you're tasting my dust as I as I run away <sighs> from you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if I knew that, I, I would have, um, you know, thought of um, that Virtanen win against Stricker and Virtanen's win against Ilkar today differently than I than I actually did. But um, you, you, well, you were happy for him accidentally, yeah. also happy for me. Uh, yeah. In these picks. And and I guess uh, I'm not sure what's more important for me. But anyway, also Virtanen, <laughs> um, I, I will, uh, you know, mention that conversation we had with him. Uh, last month in Vilnius, where he said that he he is learning to play like a man. I've also tweeted about it today because he really is, you know, he um, that that boyish sort of hit or miss attitude, uh, boyish um, you know, usage of his big weapons is kind of gone. Of course, he resorts to it sometimes. You know, he also is a very like he, his his um, motions can be very lethargic. His body language. So you never really uh, know whether he's motivated or not sometimes, <laughs> uh, which is weird. Of course, we've also had seen him uh, having a number of physical issues. And yeah, with his body language, it's sometimes hard to tell whether, he actually, whether he's actually struggling with something or not. But but this week, yeah, he was just playing uh, some, some very smart tennis, you know, not going for that much. He also is actually a pretty decent counter puncher recently, I think. And 
um, can actually turn defense into offense pretty well. Um, so um, yeah, when he played when he played sticker, it was of course key uh, because the, uh, the 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 Swiss is generally um, well, not, his rally tolerance isn't that high. It was even key in the final against Ilka, who we you know has a, has like a way of um, you know just luring uh, players into longer rallies and then when they are weakened, just punishing them. And uh, yeah, Vitanen played an excellent match in the final. Even when there was suddenly pressure from Ilkal in the second set, he responded. Of course, won like a billion points behind his first serve, 37 outside uh, out of 40, I think. And yeah, just um, once again puts himself in the conversation uh, for like a top 100 debut this year, which I don't know if he was ever really out of. But certainly after the first few months, you could have some doubts that this was going to be the year. Right now, you know, he, he actually is in a decent position to attack it again. I mean, the, some points he's going to start dropping during the grass season, of course, and then also Liberets. But uh, up until then, uh, he doesn't really defend that much. Yeah, I mean, this is the run where he really put it all together. Uh, he maybe had a bit of the fortune of the draw that he, he got through those first two matches against not quite elite challenger opposition. Uh, and then he he got in the groove, taking Ostrika very impressive, and then also dealing with the pressures of the final so well against Ilkel, who's also been surging. Let's talk about Shem Ilkel a bit now. Uh, seventh challenger final, one in six in those finals. Uh, four straight final losses now since January 2020, when he got his only title so far in Kimper. Uh, do you think there's starting to be some sort of bit of a mental block there for Ilkel at all? Um. I would say, you know, um, th th there are some, there are different, different layers. Like you can look at it from different, in different ways. Well, first of all, I think he, um, while he has been like since Vilnius in October, of course, 2022, uh, we've talked about it a few times that this is probably like his most consistent patch of play ever. Uh, you know, in eight challengers played, he's reached five semifinals, two finals in that. Uh, but I think, you know, he hasn't really been playing at like a top 100-ish level. It's still mm -hmm. like a very strictly challenger play. So when he comes up, when he comes up in, against someone who's, uh, you know, just peaking uh, or like a much better opponent, it kind of tends to, uh, well, he, he tends to fall off uh, his, his game a little bit. So I think that that's a factor. Um, and I can't really blame him for that. Like I can't really blame his finals record on that, um, like for that loss against Bellucci in Vilnius, even though he choked that completely. But that was like his first, well, it wasn't his first event in months, but that was like his first proper event in months, right? So mm -hmm. some, some nerves were justified. So it's, you know, so-and-so, but he, he definitely doesn't have a strong record in the in finals, that's for sure. But it's not why he lost today, you know, at 5-0 in the tiebreak. If that net court went his way, not Virtanen's, maybe he, he would have taken mm -hmm. it to a decider. It was it was a really brutal way to, to lose the match. Of course, he still had to lose the next point on his own serve, but um, yeah, it, it, it was definitely, um, one of the more, 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 most important net, net cards that we're going to see all year on the Challenger Tour, probably. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think the fact that he isn't, you know, blowing everybody away, even though he's having this great result and that his level is not a top 100 level, 
I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that reflects in his in his results and, and in his yeah. run this week. It was almost exclusively three setters all the way to the final, starting in qualifying where he beat Kenny Desheper, coming back from a set down Durasovic in the final qualifying round, also back from a set down. Uh, played a really fun match against Klein, 7-5 in the third. 3-5 yeah, down in the third down. as well against Klein. Yeah. Came back from a set down against uh, Richard in the second round, beat Tachko. That was his only straight set win of the week. Then Escoffier in the semis deals with him 6-3 in the third. Uh, Rankings-wise, this is great news for Ilkel. He's up 50 spots, number 230 already. So it looks like his hard work will be rewarded with uh, slam qualifying uh, at the very least, prize money, even if uh, Roland Garo and Wimbledon are not the best suited to his talents. Um, but yeah, I, I think that would be such a boost for him just just, just to get to go to these slams uh, after everything that's happened and after the hard work that he's put in week in, week out coming back. But yeah, uh, what did you think of his run this week? Sorry? Who? Ilkel? Haven't we... Oh, I guess we haven't. Okay. Oh yeah, no. I I, I just did like a little oh, bit. Okay. Of the, okay. Of the I, I thought I really yeah. touched on that, but okay. Uh, yeah, as you said, I mean five five zero seven, and I I think what I said before kind of goes along with it. You know that he has to work his way through an opponent, sort of. Uh, you know, first survives the onslaught, then comes up with a big forehand of his own, and yeah, that's Ilka's game, and I guess that's why he's also dropping these sets. Yeah, he should have been out against Klein, that's for sure. But uh, he survived and and did perfectly fine. Uh, just run into a little better opponent in the final. But as I said, I mean the second set, even though there was a moment when Futanen seemed to be like totally cruising towards the win, uh, six four three two, I think, with a break. Uh, but yeah, the second set very easily could have gone in Ilka's favor. But yeah, we can move on to our semi-finalists, starting with Escoffier, who beat Zizou Bergs in straight sets to start. Also got wins over Andreev and Brunald. Uh, his third challenger semi-final already this season. What did you think of Escoffier? Yeah, and this is a bit of a Ilka case, I think, but uh, just slightly lower level. Like um, Escoffier is making so so many quarters and semis, but he's just lacking the level to, to get to the final constantly, you know? And um, yeah, as you said, uh, he, uh, I think in his last 11 challengers or something like that, he's only lost his uh, first round once or, or maybe, maybe no, he's actually, I, I think he actually hasn't lost uh, his first round even once, uh, which is pretty crazy, right? I mean, it's, it, it's, it's also yeah. uh, similar, like, similar to Ilkay, it's also Vilnius last year, uh, the, the one in October. And then since then you have... Yeah, eleven challengers where he where he's always winning the first round, ten times getting to the quarters. Uh, so impressive. Sorry, nine. Sorry, nine. He also uh, nine, he also yeah. lost in the second round in Ortiz last year, which is ex- extremely impressive. He just can't get through that barrier, and I think, you know, perhaps some of that is mental, but like in Inkel's case, some of that is actually just his game lacking that tiny, tiny bit of edge that could get him over the line in matches like this. Yeah, but I mean, look, this consistency, it's gotten him to the top 200 at 31 years old, and I think it's going to keep him uh, in there as long as he keeps getting these types of runs at, at Challenger 75s. Our other semifinalist was Dominic Stricker, 
who beat Rafael Collignon 6-4-2-6-6-2 before beating Gautier on Klein in straight sets. In the quarters, he beat Liam Brody in the third set tiebreak. And his eight-win streak ended with a loss to Vitanen. What did you think of Strikat this week? Yeah, he kind of continues to be a little polarizing in a way because, well, uh, there are moments when you think, oh, this is like the mature version of Strikat. You know, this is the guy who's going to break the top 100 in a second. And then he gets so easily like riled up uh, in the in the Virtanen semi and totally loses his head. Uh, he also started working with uh, Peter Lundgren, the, 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 of course, the famous coach of um, Roger Federer, and, and among others. And um, we, you know, we don't know if this is going to stick because they're playing, they're, they're working for like um, a three week uh, trial period. Um, it's it's going to be something uh, exciting to to look at going forward. He's going to skip a week now, I think, and then play Biel and Lille. Uh, the decision to stay in Europe and not go play Indian West Qualies or in Miami Qualies has, def- has definitely paid off for him. And um, I think all in all, it's still a pretty positive week, but he'll be disappointed to go out like that. You know, it's not disappointing to go out to Virtanen. He also lost to Virtanen in Bergamo last year, but it's disappointing to go out this way for sure. Yeah, I mean, this is a title that I, despite picking Vitanen, thought he was going to take. So there has to be a sense of disappointment for sure. Uh, But there certainly won't be one with this other young Swiss, Mika Mm -hmm. Brunold, reaching the quarterfinals. 19-year-old, he had a junior career high ranking of number 27. I, full admission, had not heard of him before this week. All I sort of knew was I looked at him in the draw. I saw well, he he beat Privara six of six two in February, but he was dropped to Setunovansky uh, in, in December. So I'm like, that's an interesting uh, level jump between those two results. But yeah, in he comes. He beats Ginard four six six two six two. Beats Brancaccio seven five six three. Capitulates in a pretty poor loss to Escoffier eleven three. But what did you think of Brunot's game overall? Yeah, I mean, he was pretty easily overwhelmed by Escoffier and does not seem like he'll be that uh, sort of a talent like the guys who broke through in Lugano recently, like uh, Riedi, like Stricker, like even Kim. By the way, this has been a phenomenal event for Swiss youngsters. Um, yeah. <laughs> Runold's game just seems not that kind of caliber, you know, uh, but he had a pretty smooth backhand. Um, will be exciting to see if he's in Biel. Hopefully they're going to give him a wild card, you know, after this they should. So um, let's watch him a bit more. But uh, he certainly seems, um, you know, way, way less impressive than, uh, yeah, guys like Riedi Stricker or Kim, who also had uh, insane Lugano runs in recent memory. Over in the doubles, Zizou Berg's got his first challenger doubles title alongside David Pell, who got a second of the season. They beat Franzen and Jebens 6-2-7-6 in the final. Franzen and Jebens uh, reached two semis earlier uh, in Oerash, uh, and they took a break, played separately, both reached the final separately, teamed up again, uh, and now reached this final. But yet, not enough for, for Zizou Berg's and David Pell. Berg's, you know, poor form uh in singles but picks up a double title here maybe that picks up his confidence and we can move on to antalya where i got another point with fabian marojan the second seed beating sebastian offner the top seed seven five six love marojan's second challenger title two one in finals all three have been in the past seven months on this run he beats uh zekic janesi 
Michalski and Kopshiva. Michalski is the only one who took a set from him and actually was a 6-1 set. The only one that Marojan dropped uh, during this whole title run. He was at 29 spots to number 134, his new career high ranking, 99 points away from the top 100. What did you think of Marojan this week? Yeah, even though we just watched him reach the finals in Bratislava last year, uh, this time he was actually kind of struggling on Inderhart, and I guess that's why I didn't have that much confidence in him going uh, into this. Of course, this wasn't Inderhart, this was Clay, but you know, I didn't have the confidence that he was just going to instantly jump back to his favorite surface and be amazing, and he pretty much was. Um, you know, especially in the final, he just dominated Ofner so easily in the second set. Um, as you said, the match against Michalski, where he dropped the drops the first set and it just plays a pretty perfect game, does a lot with the introduction of a drop of the drop shot. Um, you know, not only finishing points with it instantly, but also outplaying um, Daniel in like cat and mouse rallies and etc. Yeah, just a, a hugely impressive win. He's going to be at, at a similar life ranking spot as Virdanen right now. And just like Vitanen, he puts himself back in that top 100 conversation for sure. Even though he is actually probably in, in a slightly worse spot, given the fact that, you know, he's going to drop, well, maybe not he's going to drop a lot of points, but um, over the course of the clay season, he has some big points to defend. And for Vitanen, um, no, actually, maybe they are in actually in pretty similar spots, I guess. I, I'm undervaluing how many points Virtanen earned in the grass season and then in Liberec. So I think their situation is actually still fairly similar. Yeah, let's talk about Ofner, his ninth challenger final, three and six in those finals. Second one already this season after Tenerife. Um, on this run, he beats Yankee Erel in the first round, then downs Matevalkus in a great match, third set tiebreaker. In the quarters, he beat Kimer Kopeans in the semis, Gianluca Maguer in two tie breaks. Ofner up 23 spots, number 137. What did you think of uh, his run this week? Yeah, it seems like he just kind of loses the most important matches this year. You know, Lokoli, <laughs> uh, now Shevchenko and Maroshan. Lokoli, of course, at the Australian Open um, qualifying final round. And now and Tenerife, Shevchenko, Antalya, Antalya, Antalya Maroshan. It's not like the Tenerife final where he was like a pretty big favorite and, you know, on outdoor hardcourts, you'd expect him to be better than Shevchenko. Here, it seemed like an even match, but yeah, he was just outplayed so easily in the second set that kind of leaves a sour taste on his week. But as you said, you know, he was he was great against Valkus. Valkus he um, dominated Kimmer Kopeans in the quarters, which was a pretty impressive win too. So definitely uh, not a bad week for him at all. And yeah, two challenger finals already by by the middle of March is certainly um, a, a nice feat. Yeah, I mean, especially after going winless in in Chennai and and Bangalore, this is something that he probably needed for for confidence and all sorts of other reasons. Uh, back to his form from the beginning of the season. As for our semifinalists, let's start with Jan Kamager, who beat Lukas Neumayer in straight sets, then took out Flavio Koboli, 6 of 6-3. Six, uh, shocking result <laughs> for, from Koboli's side, for sure. Got a second set retirement from Nerman Fatic in the quarterfinals to reach his first challenger semifinals since October 2022 in Parma. What did you think of Maguette this week? Yeah, speaking of guys who just randomly have runs once a year, right? 
it's, it's been about 12 months, I guess, since Gianluca Magher was on a good run. Um, I think, uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, since, since Gran Canaria. He's got to defend she, the points. So that, 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 that's what I think. I mean, he's already him. lost them, I think. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Three, three to three yeah, was that, coming into the week. And so, yeah, he also has a, now he's back at two, eight, in, six in the live rankings. A couple of semifinals in Parma and Sanremo, which I guess are pretty big events. Uh, but otherwise, yeah. And Gianluca Magher basically hasn't played well in about a year. So yeah, he, he really needs anything right now, basically. And that was anything, even though, yeah, Koborli just seems terribly lost right now. And uh, Fatic, of course, retired, but uh, he gave a good account of himself against Magher. And it's going to be quite exciting to see if he can follow that up uh, from here. The other semifinalist from Parma 2022, uh, last October, was the other semifinalist here, Vít Kopšiva, uh, reached the semis, beating Stefano Travaglia, Steven Diaz, and Mikael Hertz. Uh, what did you think of his run this week? Yeah, crazy win over Hertz, for sure. That was one of the best match point saves I've seen. Uh, you know, the first one, if, if anyone hasn't watched it, I actually put it on my Twitter, so you can probably find it there. But the first one was a 26-shot rally. Um, that he finished with a great drop shot. And also the, the other was like a forehand pass on the run, basically like a banana trajectory. Uh, so, um, yeah, amazing stuff from Copriva there for sure. Uh, also the win over Travalia was, was great. Uh, it kind of seemed like, uh, the winner of that should go far in this event. And that, that's exactly what happened. But, um, I, I thought especially maybe against uh, Hertz, he was kind of like luster for the most part, you know, until these match points. And uh, that level just wasn't enough against Maroshan in the semis, but still a, a nice run for him. And of course, as a clay bot, basically, he also didn't do that that well in the first two months of the season. Uh, over in the doubles, Filip Bergevi and Petros Tsitsipas win their first challenger title together after after their breast final run last October. Uh, they were dominant, did not drop a set, did not even go to a tiebreak a single time. They had a couple of 7-5 sets, but that was as close as anybody got to beating them. In the final, they faced Agabigun and Ergi Kirkin, Turkish wildcards, who beat Diabavi and Pavlasek in the semifinals, dealt with them 6-2-6-4. So we start with Puerto Vallarta, our Challenger 100 that we had this week, with certainly an unexpected final, <laughs> Benoit Pair lifting his first title since November 2015 on the Challenger circuit. Of course, he's he was an uh, you know he was an ATP player in between. Yeah, and he was and winning titles, in, <laughs> yeah. right? Between that time, but but still, yeah. But he, we saw him fully bottom out ever since he's dropped down. It's been, uh, you know, it, not embarrassment after embarrassment, but but we've seen him largely play some really poor tennis. Uh, and this week he fully turned it around his seventh challenger title in the final. He beat Yuta Shimizu 3 6, 6 love, 6 2. It could have been very different as in the very first match he played against Nikos Mejia, he was down 2 5 in the third, saving a match point. Um, got through that match, beat Rincon in three sets, beat Dugas in straight sets, uh, took up Marchenko in a 6-4-4-6-6-4 battle. Uh, you know, it's not the highest rank of opponents that you'll get to, to, to a, to a challenge 100 title. So maybe he lucked out a little bit there. Uh, but he really brought it, which we've not really seen him do up 40 spots, number 169. What did you think of Benoit Pair's run this week? 
Yeah, I mean, if Nicolas Mejia is your highest-ranked opponent, then you know the challenger you're playing is weak. <laughs> and if that's a challenger 100, yeah. then, then you know it's really weak. Um, so in that sense, you know, I, I don't think that this is anything uh, ultra-refreshing. I don't think that we're going to see Ben Loper bring it in better events. But these are important points that are going to keep him afloat at the challenger level for, for a much longer time. Uh, his first serve is still excellent, and I think in large, uh, you know, large late was what really brought him this success. Of course, he actually had to save a match point on return, but, uh, you know, just as a whole uh, throughout the week, uh, the final was super weird too. I mean, with him yeah. winning ten games in a row and ten games, um, right? yes, ten straight. Yeah, games. ten games, ten games in a row. Uh, so it, I think it was mostly on Shimizu, but uh, certainly in the last few months, uh, because you, you said that there weren't maybe it wasn't maybe embarrassment after embarrassment. I think there was a period like that, but the last few months have been actually pretty uh, pretty solid from Pair. You, you, we saw that he wants it more than he has in the past, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, that he uh, is actually able to bring his, you know, not best level, but a, a very solid level uh, from time to time. And yeah, uh, just a very easy challenger run compared to what we usually see. This is somewhat similar to the um, one uh, Thompson had in Rome, Georgia, just a month ago, where Thompson did not face a single top 250 player. Per first just uh, faced just Mejia. I would even argue that Thompson had the tougher run with Svaida and Mikkelsen. But of course, Thompson also yeah. won seventy-five points, not one hundred. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, I, I'm not sure what it was in the final, but Shimizu, after winning that first set, uh, he just seemed to—I don't know if it, if it was the occasion that that overwhelmed him, but he just seemed absolutely unable to produce anything on the court. What, 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 what do you think that was about? Um, yeah, um, tough to say. I mean, the guy um, usually plays like a bit of a Yoshihito Nishioka style. Of course, he's even smaller, uh, yeah, which he is kinda... tiny. He's, he's, he's five yeah. foot four, five foot three. Five, so foot, five foot four, I think. This player. Yeah, five foot four. And for, for, for being five foot four, his serve is actually pretty good. Um, of course, the leftiness helps a lot. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think uh, even if he usually plays a bit like Nishioka, you know, with the loopier forehand, flatter backhand, and etc. Uh, in the final, once he won the first set, he just started, uh, I don't know, uh, I think he just thought that maybe, you know, it, it was won already or something like that. He just started playing as if he was like a tall, I don't know, Martin Dam. I was looking for a big tall, a big lefty who uh, plays very aggressively, something like that. He, he kind of tried that for a set and a half. And by the time he got his, uh, you know, what together, it was too late. So, um, yeah, weird performance. But of course, this isn't really a guy who was used to getting results like that. He was a great junior in the past like so many of the asians that we're talking about every week it seems you know a great junior then kind of struggling struggles to to take it to the pros but um you know his uh bernie semi-final earlier in the year against hijikata was his first challenger semi so it's he's definitely not used to this so um, i'm sure if he ever gets to another final and it's not like the door is closed for him because that was uh, actually a much tougher run for him than it was for bear yeah, yeah. um i'm sure if he ever gets to another one he's, he's gonna do better yeah, so it was his first challenger final at 23 years old. Uh, he reached 15 fi- finals on the ITF circuit beforehand, 10 and 5 in those finals. Uh, and as you mentioned, it was a much tougher run starting up against Gabriel Diallo in the first round, where he was also down a break uh, in the in the decider, but managed to get out of that one in the third set break without facing a match point. Then he deals with Galarno impressively, 6-4, 6-2, the main one, which uh, we both picked, I believe, as our... well. 
spoilers. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is a spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, and, 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 and another impressive performance was against Daniel Altmaier, of course, who we both picked for the title, 6-3 in the third, then beats McCabe in the semis, which wasn't really a surprise, but I feel like McCabe was definitely more talked about, at least from what I saw on Twitter, as, as the two of the players. You know, he, he's younger, uh, maybe seen as more of a prospect, but up 60 spots, number 241 as we speak would break the top 300 and the top 250 for the very first time in his career. I think as we sort of see Diego Schwartzman going into decline, it would be amazing to have another short king that we get to watch regularly. Uh, we can be counted. You, you just add something special to to the matchups. Like it's it's something quite unusual, I think. It's not even close though, right? In terms of their, uh, you know, how tall they are, right? Yeah. Well, Schwar- so, Schwartzman so, so, is like so there is like a... Yeah, so 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 there is like a like a conspiracy theory around Diego Schwartzman's height. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure you're, if you've heard you're about right. this. No, I mean, but, but like I, a lot I of people who met him claim that he's shorter. Uh, you, there's like pictures of women who are like five foot three next to him, and they're like level. Uh, so he, th- there's a theory that he's shorter. Uh, by yeah, the, I mean the, the height that he has on his ATP profile or whatever it is, it, it's yeah, it does seems he too much. Five six or what is it? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean it, it. It basically has him at one seventy meters. I'm not sure what that is. That, in that's not that's feet not and inches. <laughs> it, it doesn't sound true. I remember seeing. Um, I think it was Gasquet who was at like uh, the same height as Federer in his ATP profile, and when they played, it was just not even close. Uh, Gasquet looks a lot shorter, and he he was. Mm. Um, yeah, of course, players kind of feel that feel us out, uh, you know, by themselves. So uh, yeah, uh, people are actually uh, gonna lie about their height for sure. Uh, they're also gonna lie about their weight, you know. Uh, for uh, in her uh, maybe like the the last few years of her career, uh, Serena Williams used to have like a very very untrue um, you know weight on her profile, but. You know, maybe it's actually stupid. Like, you know, why why would we have to know the weight of the player? I guess. Yeah, but... I mean, it, 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 it's very like it, it feels to me like a like a boxing promotion where, where yeah. we like, list like are you fighting at. Da, 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 yeah, but da, there da. is it's like, important. Why do we right? have these players' weights listed? That's a bit weird for me. There, there I, is I, 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 I think height is interesting, but I think weight you know weight fluctuates a lot more than your height oh, yeah. over the course of your life. Uh, so I think that I, I would be okay with not being listed at all since it's not policed in any way. It's not monitored in any way. It's not accurate really as, as far as we know. So I, I, I think it's a bit of a useful thing to have as information out there, but yeah, let's talk about our semi-finalists starting with the young James McCabe. Uh, as I, as I mentioned last time, the, the, the star of Breakpoint on Netflix where you see mm. him uh, for <laughs> half a scene hitting with curios. <laughs> In episode one, he's struggling qualifying here, getting wins over Aramburu Contreras and then Keegan Smith, where he saved the match point in that qualifying uh, match, but got through it, beat Fikovic, beat Statham, uh, and then Blanche to reach his second challenger semifinal in his career. Uh, just 19 years old, will break the top 300. He's at, he's at 275 in the live rankings. But yeah, what did you like about James McCabe this week and where do you think his potential uh lies like like how far can, can he go yeah back-to-back semis i i think since um probably ever since australia last year even we kind of had the idea that james mccabe could be um you know a potential prospect uh this week honestly i've seen him a lot less than in bangalore 
Um, Puerto Vallarta time zones were just extremely unpleasant for me. <laughs> so um, I can't really tell you that much. Yeah, I, I, I watched some of his match against Keegan Smith for sure, where he saved the match point. I, I, also the quarters against Blanche, which was uh, a pretty good match of I mean, Of course, both players are trying really hard to be aggressive after their serves. So um, it was uh, it was a fun matchup to watch for sure. Uh, not the strongest of runs. Like his Bangalore op- opposition, at least, was uh, was significantly more impressive. But uh, yeah, the back-to-back semis for sure signifies some sort of progress. Because even in the you know in the past, even in some weaker events, he was not really able to do it. And uh, yeah, uh, ranking-wise, of course, even a semi of a Challenger 100 that isn't actually that tough is going to be uh, so huge for him for the next 12 months or so. Yeah, our other semifinalists for whom this was also huge, absolutely, Ilya Marchenko reaching the semifinals here as a qualifier. His first challenger semifinals is March 2021. So essentially, it, 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 it's almost two was years. Was that when he won Biela over uh, Murray? Yeah, no, Biela that was like four. Mm, that was like a month uh, later, probably. Yeah, it was yeah. It was a semifinal in Biela, and in Biela too, he beat Murray in the final. Yeah, so either way, age 35, uh, an amazing run for Marchenko, starting qualifying, beating Barrientos, then dealing with Ribakov, which I was very impressed by, two tie breaks to get through that match. In the main draw, he beat Andreozzi and Langmo before taking Agasta Elias. Of course, lost a very tight match to uh, Pear in the semis. Up 60 spots, number 326, as things stand. What did you think of Marchenko this week? Yeah, I mean, Marchenko on a good day is still like... Uh top 250, top 300 players, something like that, you know, for him, it's probably going to be like all about trying to get into that Grand Slam qualifying range by, you know, at this point of his career. I don't know if he can actually do that. It surely is going to be a bit of a struggle, but uh, yeah, even getting five wins in a row at this stage is quite important. Um, A guy uh, this week texted me about um, like the, the prize money in challengers being good right now and that, that Marchenko earned $6,000 on his run and I was like man but he reaches reaches one semi-final a year <laughs> I, in fact as you said not even because he yeah, his I last mean, semi-final was March 2021 I, I, I'm, I'm sure he's hoping that it's not going to be two years before his next challenger semi-final um, but yeah I mean like as 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 I got to speak at, to Marchenko at, in, in Bratislava he was one of the players that was consulted quite severely by the ATP uh, about these challenger tour changes uh, he he most likely argued for this money uh and and he got himself the money so it's it's you know definitely a, a big success although puerto vallarta being a 100 yeah being a 100 as well right i mean the guy reaches a semi-final at the 100 for the first time since the you know the long long while ago let's say that and and i don't think that's really enough reason you know to to claim that uh, everything is good by now and like uh yeah he still had to go to mexico for it i mean of course he combined it with a, with a long trip around the states so i'm sure he's not gonna complain but yeah yeah, I mean, like it's 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 a part of a swing, and it's it's not as outlandish as, as the little Australia swing that we had uh, last year, where where it was just uh, horrible. 
do you have anybody else you want to talk about from the singles um i don't think so at least i don't remember now <laughs> probably not probably not i think we can all right so you can go to the doubles where robert galloway and miguel angel reyes varela two experienced challenger doubles regulars we see all the time uh played their first tournament together this week and won the title they beat Dumbia and rebul in the semis uh, and they got a well. They they played three games against Goranson and McLaughlin before McLaughlin. Um, he had like a really severely taped up left leg, couldn't really move. So so they called it a match after three games. Fifteenth uh, challenger title for Galloway, twenty fifth for Reyes Varela. Their first one together. As for Goranson McLaughlin, they've already won two titles before this finals round. They won Canberra and Monterey. Unfortunately, McLaughlin is dealing with this left leg injury, so we'll see. Uh, when we see them again, but they, they've been one of the strongest uh, teams so far on the Challenger Tour this year. And we can move on to match of the week and upset of the week. Where would you like to start? Um, maybe let's start with the match because that's what I already have chosen. Um, I think there were a couple of fine selections, but for me, it can only be basically one thing. And uh, it has to be Agamemnon versus Dalian. You know, three hours 36 of um, an incredible thriller. Agamemnon already served for it in the second set, then twice in the third. Um, the comeback attempt from Delian was was very fun to follow. And um, I actually like even got quite invested, um, you know, and in the match being a bit of a, well, I don't know. Yeah, I always have this this, this dilemma whether I'm, I'm like a fan of certain players. I, I, I enjoy watching Delian a lot more. So, uh, you know, mm. I, I got invested in uh, in watching him because I wanted to see him for the you know uh, in a couple more matches, and thankfully I got exactly that. Yeah, I have not seen that match, so so it would feel weird for me to pick it, but it's definitely on my rewatch list uh, when we come around at the end of the year to uh, pick the match of the season because it sounds incredible. I will go for Ilkel beating Klein in in Lugano for for my pick. Oh, yeah. I, I will say uh, that though that if Delian like had a net game at all, like if he was willing to finish off points at the net, it probably wouldn't be as good like the whole match because it was just a constant clash of Agamemnon defending and the Delian's forehand. And if if he had just you know a tiny bit more power on the forehand, which of course uh, he doesn't really need, I guess, with the great placement. But if he if he was just willing to finish points at the net, he would probably get off the court an hour earlier. But well, <laughs> because he because he didn't, we got this amazing match. Yeah, and what's and you know what that that, that that's uh -huh. a part of the charm and the beauty we get in these in these yeah. clay grand fests sometimes. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but yeah, upset of the week. Do you have one picked? Um, not yet. Or but I'm I looking go first? at a few. You can you can go first. Sure, I will go with Yuta Shimizu defeating Daniel Altmaier uh, in the quarterfinals of Puerto Vallarta. We, at least I thought it was all set up for Altmaier to win. It was a weakened field. Altmaier had done well there previously. And all of a sudden it's like 4 a.m. and I'm watching him lose to Yuta Shimizu on a betting stream. Um, so that really, that really shocked me. That, that really kept me up uh, that night. But yeah, what's your pick? Yeah, um, I, I've noticed this pattern the past few months. Um, I don't really look at Challenger odds daily or anything like that, uh, but I do like look at them a lot of the time when picking upset of, upsets of the week. And I noticed that Shimizu was very um, respected by the odds. 
Um, so like, yeah. uh, he, you know, he played Thomas Fankat, for example, and was a huge favorite. And that seemed off to me. And even against Altmaier, you know, he wasn't that much of an underdog as you would expect. And yet, yeah, I mean, bookies wise, they were much bigger underdogs this week. Yeah. I, I, saw, I saw like Bueno against Barrios Venom was like th- six th- that's or crazy. something. That's crazy. <laughs> like that, that's insane. You know, Bueno has already m- made similar upsets and he's a huge prospect. I mean, what, what are you yeah. doing there? Yeah, so Guinard is, um, you know, Guinard is still winless for the year and Brancaccio is terrible and indoor hard. So I also don't think these were that significant. I would agree with Shimizu over Altmaier, but yeah, clearly the bookies knew something that, or, you know, maybe the betters, maybe not even the bookies, uh, have known something for the past five months or so that we didn't. And uh, yeah, they're now turning out to be very, very right, as Shimizu, of course, had this run in Puerto Vallarta. Uh, before we talk about Phoenix, I guess it's important to say that this is, you know, if someone was uh, living under a rock and then suddenly turns on this show, uh, Phoenix is the first ever Challenger 175. Uh, we're going to have four more this year, uh, two during uh, Madrid in Aix-en-Provence and Cagliari, and then two during Rome in Bordeaux and Turin, so France and Italy. And uh, yeah, Phoenix uh, was uh, a very stacked challenger field in 2019 already, a very stacked in 2022. Irving was, um, you know, did the, the job for Phoenix in the past, sort of, in the, before the before 2019. Phoenix is just, it's just the third edition. It was a very natural choice for a first, first 175 because, of course, they wanted to do it in the second week of Indian Wells. And it has to be said that the draw hasn't really like improved that much compared to what it was in the you know when it was a one twenty five. Like yeah, I mean, like I I I I, I think the, the the bottom has definitely been lifted, like 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 the floor. The the cutoff is at eighty four. I, I don't think we can I mean, cut off the, that. The cutoff, uh, but that's not the real cutoff. That's before the alternates. Oh, and, that, and you see how many right. alternates are in the draw. So, so the down, actual so cutoff is actually mean. behind the. Uh, you know, behind the top 100. Yeah. So um, I think it's very, yeah, very similar it, to how it was in the past. Yeah. And I think the ATP clearly wanted something more. Like, I think they were hoping for more players like Berrettini, maybe not to get a wild card, but to sign up and then play if they didn't do well in the Yanwells. But well, it turns out that, uh, yeah, that it basically hasn't changed that much. But of course, the prize money and the points will be much higher. Yeah, I'm. I'm sort of looking at this at this lineup of players who went out early, in in Indian Wells. Like, sure, there the, 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 there were some players that that we could see in here that that we are not seeing. Maybe somebody like you know Demin or Chorich, like some of these seats who who exited early. Yeah, um, I think I think that's what the the ATP was hoping for, you know, and I think that's also why they have uh, two uh, 28 draws, uh, 28 draw fields in uh, Madrid and Rome, and I think that's going to turn out to be a bit of an overkill. But you know, we're going to talk about it in May. Let's get to the yeah, draw. I mean, I look, if, if, if it's an overkill and that money trickles down to low rank players, I'll I'll be happy with. That. I mean, yeah, for us it's amazing. Like I I don't care, right? But I I just don't think that's what the ATP was going for. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm not saying it's not been, poor. Yeah, the, 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 there's there's not been the the level of a jump that they maybe hoped for. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with that. But let's get into this draw. It is very exciting. Starting with the top seed, Matteo Berrettini, who took a wild card into here, uh, ranked 23, but uh, he he has been an, an, a top 10 player, uh, and I think that's ultimately where where his level I think lies. He plays Ivashka here in the first round, uh, who troubled Medvedev. Winner faces Rinderknecht or a qualifier. 
Then we have Mark Andrea Huestler playing Filip Krajinovic, winner facing Gal Monfils, who's another wild card or a qualifier. We have Richard Gasquet as the uh, third seed playing a qualifier and then O'Connell or another qualifier. Rusovori faces off with Carbaez Baena and then Alice or Barer, which is an exciting first round. Yeah, we've seen it in Rotterdam or something like that, right? I mean, during the inter- European interset season for sure. Another exciting match, Lehechka coming up, coming up against Tanasi Kokinakis. That'll be an absolute yeah. cracker when he faces one of two qualifiers. Bublik is also here playing Denis Kudla, who I believe is the defending champion. I think. Yeah, right. Kudla Altmaier was the final in Phoenix, yeah. yeah. So uh, he, he will have a tough first round winner faces Les Tien or Zhijian Zhang. Final quarter, uh, Diego Schwartzman is the second seed with a wild card playing Nuno Borges. Will then face Roman Safiulin or Pedro Martinez. Mikhail Imer plays Radu Albot and then Oscar Ote or Alexei Popirin. In the qualifying, I think they just started play a couple of minutes ago, so they're early, but these are... Phenomenal matchups. Kovacevic is the top seed in qualifying. In his section, he has Blanca Fratangelo and Elias Imer. Second section, you have guys, you, you have Arnaldi, Vukic, Matter, and Misolic. Only one of them will make it through. Kotov is, is in the um, third section. He has Alex Lawson, who I don't know how he got in with a wild card. I'm pretty sure he, he's just like a doubles player. Yeah. Uh, that's a bit of a weird one. But we have Mattia Bellucci against Murphy Cassone or Cassone. Um, so that'll be a fun one. Vatanuki plays Pon with. Joao Souza plays Emilio Nava. Uh, Hijikata plays Kruger. Struff plays Quaco. Uh, also, only Hijikata or Struff will make it through. Lawson is uh, from but... Arizona, apparently. And like the uh, he didn't go to college in Arizona, but he is from Tempe, Arizona. So that's mm-hmm. probably how. Interesting. Still, uh, Shevchenko plays Maxwell McKinnon. And then Ben Opeir, who just won a title, Poor guy flies in and faces Leandro Riedi in the first <laughs> round of <laughs> challenger qualifying. Insane. We don't have the doubles draw yet, so, so I'm not going to mention that. So we go straight back to the singles main draw. Who do you think will lift the title in Phoenix in the yeah. first 175 I mean, It's not easy, really. Um, I tweeted about this, but I guess I will repeat this here for anyone that didn't see it. The the free wildcards who um, are here, so Berrettini, Monfils, Schwartzman, yeah, all former top 10 players, as you said, mm-hmm. uh, they are, um, well, they won their last challenger events. Berrettini won Phoenix four years ago. Uh, Monfils won Kaohsiung uh, five years ago. And uh, Mon- Schwartzman won Montevideo seven years ago. And Schwartzman's actually on a 10-match challenger win streak. And Monfils is on a 15-match challenger win streak. Uh, wow. In fact, Monfils has been uh, entering and winning one challenger within like five-year intervals. In 2008, uh, he entered Marrakesh, I think, and won it. In 2013, he entered Porto and won it. And in 2018, the aforementioned Kaohsiung or whatever. Uh, I'm not sure how it's read, but um, if you've been following the challenger tour for a while, then you know the place for sure. And uh, yeah, I don't know if I want to pick any of them, you know, but a teeny sounds like the only like real contender out of these three. Choice, yeah. Yeah, because out of these three. Monfils won like four games against Thompson and yeah. Schwartzman has been in the in the gutter. Yeah, I think uh, I think there are a lot of players here who can trouble Schwartzman, even though his section is actually pretty good, but I just don't trust him to win the final or semi-final if they get here. Um honestly, before the draw was made, I was um kinda um, thinking that I will probably pick Lehechka. But Lehechka Kokinakis in the opening round, yeah. So tough. 
I'm just not gonna do that at all. You could pick a qualifier too. I mean, even though it's so strong, like Watanoki, for example, looks like a pretty decent pick if you can just get through two matches here and then, um, you know, land in a section that's maybe like against uh, Gasquet or against Monfils. Um, I can actually buy him winning this. Like I, 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 I can see it possibly happening if he's with Kovacevic as well. But Kov- and yeah, Kovacevic also has a pretty decent section in the qualifying. So I, I, I don't think I can do that though. Like winning seven matches against this quality of a field is just uh, nah, nah. So I think I, I, I think I'm gonna have to go for like the very easy Berrettini pick. I think he actually has some serious chances of winning this one and. Um, yeah, all other picks have some either some downsides or are out of form or just yeah, the quality of the draw is so even and so strong that I especially you know Bubli Kudla, Lechka Kokinakis, yeah, these first round matchups um, and the third seed Gaske isn't really that strong. The second seed isn't that strong, of course Schwartzman. Yeah, um, I think I have to go with Bertini. It's a cop out, but I think it, it's a cop out that could actually work. You know what? I I've also written that Berrettini, and I, and I think I will stick with him here. Um, there are question marks in my mind. Of course, he he retired in Acapulco and then lost first round to Taro Daniel um, in Indian Wells or or his first match. Um, so that's not particularly impressive going in. But the fact that he won uh, the very first Phoenix Challenger back in 2019, the fact that he's even here wanting to play, that is a encouraging uh signs for me the other one i was sort of looking at is rusuvori i i quite liked his performance against verev i feel like he, he pushed him quite hard he beat bautista good as well uh but just like every single time i look at this draw i'm like okay he gets he gets cut by spina that's a nice one but then alice in the second round and then cascade in the quarterfinals and i'm like i just don't want to do <laughs> deal with that so we'll go Berettini. i think there is a chance that ivashka beats him in the first round after how he played against Medvedev, I feel like that's a danger. But outside of that matchup, I think that is a very soft section, actually. When you look at that, I think that it can one fees, Kainovich, Wessler, whoever the two qualifiers are, we'll see. But those two qualifiers might arguably be the most dangerous players that he's going to face within his own section. So I think that's why we're both gravitating towards Berrettini here, despite the lack of form. But I think it makes a lot of sense. By the way, the Arizona Tennis Classic Twitter profile just followed me. So, uh, you know, guys, we're gonna. By the way, I I, I was looking at the points breakdown, mm-hmm. and I don't know if this is a this, this is a typo or what, but they have a first round six points awarded. Um, that's on, on the PDF. That's small. Really? So I, I I don't know if it's just a mistake in the PDF or if they're actually getting, giving everybody like all of the first ah, round. Ah, okay. First round. I, I thought yeah, it was yeah, be second first round. round. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Um, no so, that's so, a, so the fact that they're awarding first question. round points, that's what surprised me. That's a good if question. I mean, um, I have no clue, absolutely. It would kind of seem like that, right? I mean, first round, six points. But that would but, be yeah. so weird. I mean... Yeah, because like, like only... only the slams give you first. Yeah, round. only the slams and uh, yeah, and I think uh, some Masters thousand events, right, give you ten points. 
No, it's just the slums. I'll give you some point. I, I think it's just the slums. No, I think it, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's just the slums. Uh, so who, for example, plays here? Can we can we like quickly check that? Is that possible? I don't know because Schwartzman, for example, lost twenty points. No, I guess the live rankings might also not be updated. Anyway, we're we're gonna find out, I guess, uh, sooner or later. But, yeah, but... I mean, like I I, I was just gonna say over, overall, mm -hmm. I do like it that the winner gets one seventy five, finalist gets a hundred, so it is like winning a challenger one hundred. And if you continue the pattern, semis, you get 60 points. 15 points for second rounders here is, I think, very nice uh, for for some players who get, get like an easier draw. I feel like that would be like a, like a nice cheap 15 points for them that you don't yeah. really... Are there, are there easy draws here, like, you know? Maybe, maybe Monfils at this point. But... I, I feel like whoever gets Monfils will be quite happy with that matchup. I think Safiulin is quite happy to see Pedro Martinez across the That's true. Team. Um, arguably, maybe Dodo Borges is not entirely unhappy mm -hmm. with his draw. We'll we'll see where Schwartzman is at. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, like like across the board, a very strong draw. Yeah. Um, starting in Viña del Mar, where Hugo Delien is the top seed, challenger seventy five. He faces Daniel Antonio Nunez to start. Delien will face. Uh, Pellegrino or a qualifier. Also in a section is Agamemnon, so we could get a rematch of that epic that we had last week. But Agamemnon would have to beat Seboshwild potentially or Lautaro Midon. So what a great little section to start us off there in Viña del Mar. Lots of uh, fun storylines. In the second section, we have Meligeni Alves facing Barrios Vera. Winner could play Nabone or Gonzalo Bueno. That daddy plays a qualifier and then Juan Bautista Torres or another qualifier. We also have Diaz Acosta in the third section playing Tirante. Winner faces Vavasori or a qualifier. Hugo Carabe is the third seed playing Olivieri, who's in some uh, nice form there. Winner will play Buruchaga or Casanova. Hugo Gaston, this time not in qualifying, in as the second seed playing Gonzalo Lama. Will then face Coyarini or a qualifier. Bonadio plays Miguel Fernando Pereira and then Nicolas Kiker or Paul Martin Tifon. Qualifying we've got going on as we speak i think um we i have think it's finished name. i think it's finished oh, finished okay we have dutra da silva Villanueva, uh federico gallo but nobody who you would really expect a big run from here well federico gallo was just in the quarterfinals yes that's that's fair enough uh i wouldn't expect him to do it again maybe <laughs> but yeah we'll we'll see um, in the doubles, we have Hidalgo and Rodriguez as the top seeds. Bueno and Midon are teaming up together. As are Tirante and Torres, Navone and Olivieri. Tadderi uh, and Vavasori are the second seeds, playing Barrios, Vera, and Gonzalo Lama. But going back to the singles, who are you picking for the title? Yeah, I'm kind of lost here. Like, I, I, you could pick Gaston, he's probably a fine pick. I just don't know if I trust him to beat like Lama, Colarini, Bonadio in a row. That's kind of tough. Uh, Lama, of course, sh shouldn't really be, but you know, in Chile, maybe he can produce something. Um, even though he's like a, more of a, well, a part-time player, maybe it's a stretch, but you know, he, he hasn't really been playing like a full schedule, I think this year. Yeah. Or I, I guess he just hasn't been winning because he hasn't won a match in four. Yeah in four appearances so maybe that's why i i feel like he hasn't been playing um but anyway yeah delian i'm not picking him uh again uh even last year he won that 
title, then was barely dropping games and lost the final to Echeverry. Of course, there's no Echeverry here, but there are players who are almost as dangerous, let's say. Um, I think Midon could have a good chance at upsetting Sabe of Wild, maybe. You know, Sabe of Wild has also had a good, um, well, has, has also had a long week, even though he didn't seem, he didn't look like it as, as Dalian did. Um, but anyway, from this section, I don't really see anyone I want to pick. Um, yeah, the second quarter, there's a lot of players who can do well because, well, one of them is going to be in the semis, but I don't think anyone is winning this. So Diaz Acosta feels very natural to me. I, I don't know if I like the draw Tirante than Vavasori, but, you know, I, I think I'm still going to have to go for this because Bonadio just lost to Olivieri. Um, and yeah, as I said, I, I don't know. I just, I just don't trust Gaston to win five matches in a row, uh, but uh, he is probably like my second pick here in this draw, but I'm going to stick with Diaz Acosta. I think at some point, of course, he's already won a challenger. Um, in fact, um, yeah, he's already won a challenger, but um, I think uh, he should simply be getting runs like he had last week on a pretty regular basis. And I feel like losing in the semis uh, he is gonna. It's just gonna give him enough time to recover. Probably, I hope so at least. It's a tough spot because I've also written down Diaz Acosta. Uh, also came to the same conclusion as you. I am so concerned at picking Ugo Dalian here after all the three sitters that he was going through, and and you know being tired in the final. That's not a good look going into the next week. But I. Th- think I'm going to pick him anyway. Uh, he is a very high level player. <laughs> uh, might be tired, but we'll we'll see how he works through that. Yeah, Diaz Acosta, I quite like. I, I like him the most out of the section, but that section is potentially dangerous. Like if if Avasori shows up on his day, he he, he could knock him off. The same with Ukarabe or Olivieri. Uh, so we'll see if he makes it out. Gaston, I don't have any trust. Well, not not a lot of trust anyway, despite a kind of a weaker section. Maybe Cuiarini could go on a bit of a run there. But yeah, Delian gets a gets a first round match against the Chilean wildcard, then Pellegrino. Of course, Pellegrino t- traveled him last week, but I don't think it's the toughest two two round sequence to to start a tournament off with. So yeah. Hugo Delian for me. <laughs> Yeah, whenever one of us is in the lead, I feel like he uh, gets like the urge to go for more bold picks, and then uh, the other one just instantly, you know, comes back. <laughs> so I hope this is what's gonna happen next week as well. Uh, I'm going to try and prevent that as hard as I can. Um, yeah, let's talk about Sekish Fehervar, the challenger 50 that you're at this week. Uh, are you excited to be there? Did, did you get a good look at the facilities? How How is it there? Because you know, I know that you had some difficulties getting there a yeah. bit in the first place. Getting there was not uh, was not easy for sure. Um, they, they, it's the first time they ho- they're hosting a challenger, and you could feel it. Uh, the tournament has basically no social media presence. Uh, so um, yeah, if if not for um, well, I don't know if I can call my friend, but if not for a contact in the ATP Challenger Tour, we uh, I would never have gotten there. Um, you know, he sent me over the um, email address of the tournament director, 
Catalin Marossi, by the way, who apparently Jakub said he remembers her from her playing days. She was the world number 101 in singles and world number 100, uh, well, world number 33 in doubles. Uh, I didn't, but anyway, yeah, um, I finally managed to contact her and, uh, you know, set up everything. So yeah, I haven't, I haven't said for her about it. Um, it's been a fun uh, first day. Um, the, the scheduling is very ITF-like, where they just, uh, you know, get three or four courts and they want to finish everything as quickly as possible. So, for example, tomorrow, all courts start at uh, 10 a.m. And the third match on every single one of them is not before 3 p.m. <laughs> so, you know, the day is probably going to be over at like 4 p.m., max 5 p.m. <laughs> Today, it was over at like 4.30, I think. Uh, which, yeah, it, uh, it's not that Bratislava scheduling where they're where they're really trying yeah. to give you or they're giving you six matches on center court and it's it, every single day. And it is an indoor event as well, right? So yeah. um, that was kind of what uh, convinced me to try to go because, well, it, it's such a rarity. Uh, other than Maya, in the past four years, we haven't had any indoor challenger uh, clay events. Um, it's it, it's fun, you know. The, the venue, I've I've definitely gotten a good look because it's kind of compact, but it's it's actually good like i can basically follow all four well today it was four tomorrow it's going to be three courts um yeah you, you basically watch two courts at a time and to get to the other two courts uh it's like uh you know 10 seconds so uh, <laughs> it's easy to follow it's nice um, that's good what's funny is the players lounge which is just a big couch in the middle of the club like almost <laughs> Like everyone has access to it, basically. Of course, they don't like technically because it says that it's the players' lounge, but you know everyone sees you there, and then yeah, it's it's kind of weird. Uh, but it's fun. It should be. I haven't uh, spoken to like anyone in terms of like an interview yet, but it should be pretty easy to catch players as well because they're uh, all leave, all courts leave through the same entrance, and it's the only entrance uh, which. Um, I can, yeah, which I can access with the, with the credential. So in that sense, it should also be good. Um, I'll, I'll probably try to uh, get something going tomorrow already. And uh, yeah, excited to do it. I've, I've been to Hungary like once, but never to a tennis event. So uh, that's also something that I'm maybe not actively trying to like, you know, tick countries <laughs> on the map or something <laughs> like that. But if there's an opportunity to do that and uh, not for some uh insane sum of money because well the flights and the accommodation was actually pretty cheap um then then of course i'm very willing to and yeah it seems like a very fun and and unique um you know because of the the indoor facilities event on the tour uh you can really feel the um, clay in the air that you breathe when you're there <laughs> i don't know if it's actually an asset or not uh, because it, it's kind of like heavy on your, um, I don't know, on even on what, if on, it's on, maybe it's the lungs or whatever. Um, sometimes I can, I, I could like feel the particles of clay in my mouth even. Because oh my it, God. It's, yeah, it's really. Is, like, is it because you're that close to the court or just because it rises no, that not way? Really, not really. You're not even that close, you know, from the stands. Uh, yeah, I think five five indoor clay courts in this facility in this small facility i think it all just yeah rises to the to the air and that's and, interesting because um, yeah i mean the, the the only time i've been in like an indoor clay area was, mm -hmm. was like you know these like blow up uh yeah, arenas they, they they sort of get all, all over uh slovakia i i assume other countries do that as well yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. primarily clay dominant 
Uh, and yeah, that, that that's so interesting. So hopefully you don't sound like a you know chain smoker the next time we speak to you next week. <laughs> but the <laughs> players sound fine. I guess I will be too. You know. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I, I was really interested in your, in your tweet about uh, Gabor Mate that you tweeted. Um, did, did, did you get to communicate with, with him in some way, or did you just? Oh, no, no, speak I, I didn't story? try. I didn't try. I, I would have been afraid, frankly. Like I have no clue, you know, whether he's actually um, you know, wears some sort of a piece that that's helping him. I don't know. Um, but but yeah, just um, I I did that tweet basically by googling his name, so <laughs> and taking. Uh, well, a photo, I mean, it, it it did have the, the the effect of you actually being in the building. I, I th- yeah, I because I, I had to. to I, I took the photo, so yeah. But yeah, I, an, an exciting tournament, I think, with, with the field for for Challenger Fifty. Let's yeah. get into it. The top seed is Fabian Marojan playing Mili Polichak right away. Great match. Winner faces Caruso or Vatutin. Also in the section is Adrian Andreev facing a qualifier and then Peter Faita or another qualifier. 13 Manuel Guinard plays Philip Cristian Giano, then could face Mate Valkus or, or Nino Setarosic. Uh, Damir Jumhur plays Tito Androge and then Matias Fuele or a qualifier. Hamad Medjedovic plays Ivan Gachov and then Nicolas David Yonel or Gergei Madaras. Jombor Piroš plays Kimer Kopejans and then Daniel Michalski or a qualifier. Uh, Flavio Coboli is the second seed playing a qualifier, and then Gianessi or Sanchez Ischieto. Evan Furness uh, comes in as the ninth seed after Zekic pulled out. He plays a qualifier, Zekic pulled and out? then Steven D. Yeah, really? Zekic pulled out. He was, he was um, yeah, I saw him today. He was like joking oh. with Michalski about something. Uh, that's weird, but I guess I guess I think it he says, also pulled out from doubles, so yeah. Yeah, you, 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 it's, it's, it's a doctor here, so I think. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just surprised yeah. because I saw him today. Okay. So uh, Evan Furness replaces him as the ninth seed, uh, and we add a, a lucky loser spot somewhere. Um, in qualifying, uh, we have some interesting names for sure. We have Empechi Pericard. He will face Mirza Basic. I think that's an interesting matchup for sure. We have Hassan against Fomin. Uh, ben Shetri against Idukovic is an interesting one. Good chance for either player that makes it through. Herald Meltzer also in here playing Verbenski. Uh, a lot of, lot of quality all around. And I think players that could make, make an impact if they get in there, especially in these unusual conditions. So, um, oh wait, I, I, f- I forgot about the doubles. The doubles uh, has buys in it. I just noticed yeah. that's unfortunate. Uh, three buys, the first one going to uh, Kureshi and Ramanathan, the top seeds. Uh, we also have Bergevi Tsitsipas, ch- last week's champions. They're the fourth seed, the highest seeded players, uh, or the only seeded team not to have a buy. Uh, Raja and Sharan and Manafov Prihotko also have buys, but we also have teams like Caruso and Goboli competing in doubles, which is pretty interesting. But going back to the singles, who do you think will win the title? Yeah. Um it, it's kind of hard again because um, do we think that Maroshan is playing? We probably are, right? Um, I mean, it's 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 a challenge. Yeah, I, I I I believe that he will play. I I would be shocked if he doesn't play. Yeah, uh, I also talked to uh, Michalski today, and he was also flying over from Antalya, and he said there are a lot of um, you know there are a lot of good flights um, which uh, you don't have to have any connections for. So uh, maybe maybe that also helps Maroshan. <laughs> 
I'm kind of clutching at straws here, but that's because I really want him to play. Like, it is just a very good story if all of these um, Hungarian 98, 99 boys uh, yeah. play, which, of course, are just free, but uh, Maroshan, Piroš and Valkus. Uh, but yeah, I would love to see them all. And Maroshan Polichak is one of the one of the more more exciting first round matchups here for sure. For sure. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure if I'm gonna pick him though, even if I believe that he will play because that Andreev quarterfinal looks kind of scary. Not gonna lie. Uh, there's also something that uh, I guess we kind of need to think about when it comes to the qualifying because well, Pechi Pericard is gonna be dangerous uh, if he mm -hmm. if he gets through Basic. Um, the courts actually aren't like, I thought the impact of the roof was going to be bigger, but they actually aren't that fast. Uh, they are pretty high bouncing too, but that doesn't necessarily mean that Pechi Pericard is going to struggle, right? I mean, he needs a lot of time on his backhand. He, uh, his serve can benefit from a high bounce even. Uh, I mean, his serve is just going to be good in any conditions. So, um, yeah, it, it hasn't really changed my opinion that um, Pachi Pericard is probably the most uh, dangerous of the qualifiers. That's also what I told Michalski today, that he just needs to avoid Pachi Pericard in the draw. <laughs> <laughs> um, he said he, he like hasn't uh, hasn't watched him yet, but he can kind of you know understand what tennis he probably plays based on the uh, the height of the guy. Because Pachi Pericard was, was, of course, at the venue today too, was, uh, beating uh, Bobrov. Um, so anyway, in terms of who else can be a good pick, it's kind of hard, frankly. I mean, maybe Furness even, you know, that section isn't that strong. Uh, Koboli, as we as we said, is in, is in terrible form. Kope and Spirosh is a great first round and it really doesn't, I, I don't want to pick Pirosh, especially as later there's also Michalski, but also Majedovic in the quarters potentially. Um, it would be great, by the way, if like, Pirosh Majedovic got into the quarters. That would be an that would be an insane yeah. match to watch at the at the Challenger Fifty, and um, That'd be brilliant. yeah, and of course, and where's uh, yeah, I, I I'm also hoping for a big round from Valkos. Like, give me something like Maroshan Valkos in the in the semis. I mean, Andrea Valkos <laughs> would be good too. Um, something hilarious. To, I mean, it's not hilarious, but uh, both Ginard, by the way, and Serdarusic have not won a match yet. And this year, which I just noticed like a couple of days ago, they could actually meet in the second round. But of course, that would require them both to win a match. I think Valkos will probably beat Serdarusic, but uh, Ginardjanu is a bit more of a 50 50. Anyway, um, yeah, I'm kind of dragging this because I have no clue who I'm going for finally. <laughs> like in the bottom half, I just don't trust anyone. Um, and that's And that's a big problem, I guess. There, there's, there's no. I mean, that, that, that does that open up, that does uh, that open the bottom, up for sorry, for Michalski. But sorry, the like, bottom the bottom quarter I said because quarter, I actually yeah. kind of trust Medvedovich that he's gonna go far and oh. Pirosh Kopejans Michalski is very even for me. Probably Pirosh as the favorite outside of uh, you know out of all these three guys, and in the top there's that Maroshan Andreev uh, quarterfinal possibility. Um, I now know that Adrian Andreev was the guy that I saw today. And I was like, Jesus, I saw this guy live already. Who, who is he? And now I know because I, I saw his name in the draw. And, and yeah, it's all coming together. Can I really pick a even furnace to win a challenger? Is that is that in, insane or not? I You know what? Screw it. I'm going to pick even fern. No. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Um, I, it's not, I don't know. I mean, I like his draw a lot. And um, 
he is capable of winning this, I think. I mean, even indoors, he wasn't doing that poorly. He was actually kind of capable of like um, flattening out his game. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with even fairness. Um, it's mostly based on the wow. fact that all the other seeds either have a tough draw and I just have no clue what's like what to go do with them or are like Koboli where they're out of, they're out of form. I think Fernes has a very good draw to reach the semis and um yeah let's see what he can do from there. All right. I, I mean I was not expecting for neither of us to pick Maro. I was not I've expecting I've also gone in a different direction than the top seed. Uh-huh. I am going with Mate Valkus for okay. the title. I like I've, it. I've really liked his 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 uh, run into Narifa. Of course, that's hardcore, but that that was very impressive. Last week, uh, he beats Kirkin, pushes off that all the way to a third to tie break. I think that he's bubbling under the surface and he's going to burst forth uh, in this lovely section where Sedarosi, as you said, no wins, Ginard, no wins. I mean, this is beautiful for him. Jumhur, it, it showed a little bit of form, but I don't. I think he's passed his best by a lot at this point, uh, Damir Jumhur. So I think Falcos, this is a brilliant opportunity. Marojan, yeah, I'm. I'm. A, I'm a bit worried going back to back with him. I'm a bit worried about the Andreev matchup as well. So I will stay away from him there. Ah, uh, yeah, so that's why. Okay, so that's why Caruso didn't play in the qualifying today. Because fairness was in the draw, so I guess even in the morning Zekic was already out. Um, mm. I just I just fought Caruso That's withdrew, uh, and okay, uh, so that, that okay uh, now I understand now I get it. Um, yeah, I love the I love the Valku speak by the way. Um, as I said, I think um, it would be amazing to see all of these Hungarian uh, 19, 98, 99 generation go far here. Uh, they're on the posters, for example, like when there's a poster for the event, you've got three faces, Maroshan, Valkus and Pirosh. Um, I think all of them, uh, you know, if, if they if they're healthy, all of them have top 100 potential. Um, probably Valkus and Maroshan the, the, are the stronger guys, but well, uh, of course, Valkus has been, um, yeah, probably maybe even hampered by injuries more than Piroz, although that's probably debatable. Uh, but yeah, anyway, going to be a very fun uh, week. And I guess this is where we ended. Uh, we're going to be back with you in seven days to discuss or uh, you know, as as I said, maybe the maybe the Phoenix draw actually will make this go out a bit later, but uh, in about six seven days to discuss the events of Phoenix. Uh, uh, oh no, sorry, I still haven't learned it. Sekesh Pehervar and uh, Vinya del Mar. Bye.